Hello everyone. This is the first weekly devotional that I'm posting on the Washington Lee REF podcast. I'm sitting in my house right now by myself recording this and I'm dealing with the weirdness of that just as you, if you're listening, are dealing with the weirdness of hearing a message and missing out on the joy of gathering together each week. And I want you to know that I'm I'm really sorry for the disappointment of this week as you travel home and we already really miss you. The things we're doing with RUF to try and maintain some virtual community, common prayer, and these book clubs that Abby and I are going to host, and this podcast, they're not ideal. They're potentially awkward, but we're going to move forward in faith, trusting that God is still at work. So I'd encourage you to embrace the weirdness and, and try and stay connected as best you can. I'm going to spend time each week speaking about the Bible passages we were planning on doing in large group, but I'll be giving a, a shorter message and today the question that we're looking at is, why are you weeping? This is the second part of a section in Mark 5, which we started last week. Uh, starting in verse 21 of Mark 5, this is where Jesus is surrounded by a crowd and a man named Jairus falls at his feet and begs Jesus to come and heal his daughter who's dying. And so Jesus goes with him and the crowd throngs around him and this sick woman who's been bleeding for 12 years comes up to him in the crowd thinking, if I can just touch his garments I will be healed and immediately is healed by his power and Jesus turned and says who touched me we talked about that just a week ago at large group where we're going to pick back up in verses 35 to 43 back with Jesus and Jairus uh, right after he's healed this woman remember that Jairus has begged for Jesus to come and heal his daughter who is dying so this is verse 35 uh, I'm going to read it. If you have a Bible, I uh, want you to pause this real quick. Grab your Bible. It would be great if you have a text in front of you so you can be thinking about it. So this is Mark 5, 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he'd entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Like I say every week, this is God's word. It's absolutely true. And he gives it to us because he loves us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, please be with us all in the challenge of this weird season. Forever hears this, I pray that your spirit would be at work through your word so that we might love you more and love one another. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's God's kindness that this is the passage for this week in light of school being suspended because this is a story about Jesus encountering someone in a moment of shock and sorrow. His daughter is dying. He's come to Jesus. He's on his way back with the person who has the power to heal her. And he gets the news from one of his servants that she has died. He had this one last hope that maybe Jesus could do something and it's squashed. He had 
this great love for his daughter, and now he hears that she's gone. And the story happens so fast that it's easy to gloss over the weight of this moment and of this man's feelings. And Jesus simply turns to him in verse 36 and says, Do not fear, only believe. If it was me as a father to my daughters, I wouldn't have even heard what Jesus said. But he continues on with Jesus and a few of the disciples. It's pretty obvious what we're all experiencing in shock and sorrow this week. And though it might seem foolish looking back, many of us really believe that because of our spring break schedule or because we're in this small, isolated mountain town that WNL would get to finish this semester. And even once schools all around us started to suspend classes, it felt like we might make it. And now we're living in the sorrow of everything we'll miss, fancy dress and formal sunsets and late-night conversations, normal everyday moments with our best friends, classes we care about with professors that we love, and RUF and church and Sunday night worship. And, and I want to be careful I'm not comparing our experience to that of losing a child, but to degree we are feeling the same kinds of feelings, the same kinds of feelings that Jairus felt in this moment of loss. And Jesus says to you and to me just what he said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Jesus and Darius continue on to the house where they enter into this scene of grief. Verse 38 describes a commotion and weeping and wailing loudly. And Jesus asks this question, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they all laugh at him, but he sends them out and he calls this little girl from death back to life. It's important to point out that Jesus is not saying you shouldn't cry when you're grieving. In fact, the reason we know that's true is because Jesus himself weeps at the death of his friend Lazarus. So why shouldn't they weep? Weeping is the proper response to death, to loss, to shock and sorrow until Jesus shows up. Because the presence of Jesus changes everything. The presence of Jesus is life and hope. So in the presence of Jesus, there is no death and there are no tears. And of course, we only realize this partially now because we still endure the heartbreak of loss. And though we have hope, we cry and we feel pain. But what Mark 5 is, is it's an inbreaking of heaven. It's an insertion into a normal moment of sorrow, of the end of days reality, of seeing Jesus face to face, of experiencing his presence fully in the abundant eternal life where there are no more tears. But we are not there yet. So what do we do in our own shock and sorrow? Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. We resist fear by believing that Jesus is in control, by believing that Jesus is still at work in our lives and in the world, by believing that Jesus can actually work all things, even this, even coronavirus, even the crazy headlines in the news, even the thousands of people sick and over a hundred now who have died, even our own disruption and disappointment. We believe he can work it together for good. We believe that present suffering and sadness will not endure forever. The presence of Jesus is the thing that brings life and hope to our shock and sorrow. And so my encouragement to you is to make this weird, unplanned, and unwanted change of pace a time 
to reprioritize resting in the presence of Jesus. Because all our excuses about busyness and schedule are gone. You have time. You actually have the time. So take time. Read and pray and sing and listen. Sit outside and just be still with God. You actually can have life and hope right now if you pursue Jesus who's inviting you into his presence. Two and a half weeks ago, I was at the funeral service for my grandfather in Winston-Salem. And at the end of the service, the family followed the priest outside into the memorial garden. And we said a final prayer. And then we laid his ashes, which were in a wooden box, to rest in the ground. And it's a very raw and sad moment when you see someone put in the ground. It's a moment where I was grappling with the, the brutal finality and abruptness of death. And we each had a chance to take a handful of sand and to let it fall into the grave. And then we all turned and walked back inside to the reception. And as I turned, I noticed a familiar face and the six foot six form of my best friend from college, Steve, who I had not talked to since the summer and who had read in a prayer request mass email that my grandfather had passed away. And he looked up the obituary online and drove two and a half hours from Spartanburg, South Carolina, unannounced just to see me and to be with me, to surprise me. Now, for me, it did not keep me from crying. It's actually the thing that made me cry because I was so moved by him being there. His presence with me in my sorrow actually brought me joy. It didn't take away my pain or my sorrow, but it brought joy. And we talked for an hour, and then he drove home. A loving presence gives life in the midst of sorrow. So whatever you are feeling this week, however you are processing, Jesus is with you. He's inviting you into his presence so that in the midst of shock and sorrow, you might experience the life and the hope that comes from him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for this story and I'm grateful for the hope we have that one day in your presence there will be no more death and no more tears. There will be no more shock and no more sorrow. But for now there is and we are feeling it this week in our own lives, and we know that uh, so many communities and institutions and people are in so much anxiety and stress. Lord, I pray that this would be a time where we trust you, where we resist fear in the midst of our sadness and disappointment, and that you'd give us grace to experience the life and the hope that come from being in your presence. pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.